everybody. Welcome to What's TV Podcast. This is your girl, Anna. And today I have such an exciting program or topic to talk to you about. I have an amazing friend with me. Honestly, I got her my sis and I will introduce you all to her in a minute. So um, if you're new to What's TV Podcast, honestly, this is really the home for the voices. And we are so excited to have this particular guest with us and especially this topic. This topic goes beyond the boundaries we spoke about in our last podcast so i'm excited ladies and gentlemen please help me to welcome fatima Owo. i hope i really mentioned your name right did i <laughs> it's okay girl hello everyone my name is faustina Owo. Uh, i guess i didn't get an introduction about myself this is my first interview y'all so like bear with me um, my name is faustina oh like i said i go to Rutgers. Rutgers New Brunswick campus. I am about to enter my last year of college. Finally, I've been in college for six years, so I'm like a super, super senior. Um, my major is political science and women and gender studies with a minor in international and global studies. And I'm also doing a woman leadership certificate program, which is a two-year program as well. And I am also the president of three organizations at Rutgers. I'm president of our Scarlet NAACP chapter, um, I'm also president of the Blue Footprint Project, which is a human rights organization here on campus. And I'm also president of the Women, Honor, Women and Gender Studies Honor Society. So I got a lot, you know, I'm, I have a lot going on. Uh, okay, okay. First and foremost, we don't have just anybody out here. You are president of three. You know, El Presidente over here. <laughs> la, la Presidente, sorry. Pay la it. Um, so I do want to tell you more about We Are The Voice International, who we are, what we do. And I would like you to just, you know, um, talk a little bit about what it feels like to, to be to be a president of three different organizations. I know this is not part of the question that we already prepared, right. but I'm like three organizations. I kind of want to know. Um, so what We Are The Voice International is really an, a platform for everybody's voices to be heard. We're really the platform that we're like, okay, everybody's speaking, but we want to amplify their voices. Because one thing we've noticed is that we are kind of at a center of connected global politics where an African youth can come in and say what she needs to say or he needs to say or they need to say. And um, an American youth will say what they need to say or she needs to say or he needs to say. So it's so fabulous to really recognize um, voices and really meet cool people, even like you, who are literally using their voices and their actions to push human rights and progress humanity all together. So that's really what we are the voices. It's really an application platform. We really just say you're speaking, but let us help you reach even to the masses. Um, and yeah, as simple as that sounds, as simple as that sounds, right? No, no problem. I mean, as simple as that sounds, it's like, an amazing solution to what I personally witnessed when I began public speaking is that I wanted to hear other people's voices, but we were so separated by separate problems. And all of a sudden we realized how global the world is and how small the, the world is because we're so connected. But um, that is We Are The Voice International. And if you guys, if you want to read more about it, um, we do have like a whole packet detailing what we do, even down to the colors of our logo. And you can also visit our website, um, wearethevoiceinternational.org. So um, Fatima, I do have a question for you. And I already did state it, is that three persons or three organizations, how, how are you doing this? 
Okay, so first of all, um, it is a lot. I will say I'm going to really be like, t- like take on this role when school starts. But obviously, the, the work starts before your school even opens, right? So I'm doing, a, I'm doing work for those organiza- organizations right now. And it is a lot. I will say that. But I don't feel like it's a lot. I think I know I'm doing a lot, but I feel like I'm just so used to this last of juggling so many things. Like, um, you know, last semester was a very hard semester for a lot of us, you know, COVID and we're in school online. But in addition to that, I was also the vice president of the Scarlet NAACP. And I was doing, I was doing a lot of different roles as a vice president. So I was kind of, you know, I was the president. I was also social media person, also the secretary. So I was filling all these voids and doing that at first. And then also I had two jobs and I had an internship. So doing all of that at once, it kind of taught me how to juggle so many things. But also, like one thing I always say is prayer, because I do not know how I could have done everything I did the way I did it without God. Because when I tell other people, they were like, oh, my God, that's a lot. But it didn't feel like a lot. It literally did not feel a lot. But I knew that I was doing a lot. But it didn't feel like it. And that's because, like, that's when I always pray. If I always pray, like, God, if you're going to give me X, Y, and Z, give me the strength to handle it. Because I know I can't handle it by myself. So that was literally, like, the secret. And that's definitely what I'm going to be using coming into the school year now in the fall. Mm-hmm. Like, that same thing where God, like, all I have is God because who else is going to help me? Like, you know right. what I'm saying? Nobody else can I feel like I can 100% relate to that because some people know my life, but not extensively all. And it really, it's really all about juggling a lot of things. But I wouldn't even want, I don't even want to call it juggling, honestly, because like even juggling is like we, when anybody who is juggling doing messy, I feel like we don't even juggle. Like we go headstrong and we yes. face the challenges, right? So okay. it's like we're not even juggling these things. These are things that we take into great matter and put great excellence into it. Because it's like being an MPA student and interning for one of the most recognized political analysts in the United States and internationally, and just doing so many different things, including working, plus being the president of the Other Voice International with like, you know, more than 10 staff. It's yeah. like, um, it's like a life of, of, of every single, every single challenge has a life of its own, you know? Right. So the question yeah. really comes is like, how do you even do this? And then you just said it, that's really God. So I'm so happy. Like we're literally on the same term. Right. And, um, really. I, love, I, I do want to point out, so I love how you said not necessarily juggling because you're right. Because I feel like when you're juggling a lot of stuff, it's like, you're just like, just like, okay, what well, I do in it effortlessly, but right. everything I do, I do passionately because I am passionate mm-hmm. about everything I do. So you're absolutely right. It's not juggling. It's just, you know, I guess like, I can't think of a better word, but like just like <laughs> being strategic with everything you're doing. That's yeah. what it is. You know, just have a lot of things, but also being strategic with it because obviously like for me, because I'm passionate about everything, it makes it easier for me as well. So like, I'm just being strategic about how I handle all yeah. my passions, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. I get, I know, see? Now we're definitely connecting now. So now that we're connecting, <laughs> I mean, already my sis, you're already connected, but I feel like we're connecting right. a whole other level right now. My question for you today is, and guys, the topic that we're discussing today is the rise in millennial and Gen Z involvement in politics. And the funny thing is that I sent, <laughs> I'm not going to mention her name, but I sent the questions to one staff in We Are The Voices International. And I said, hey, look, you know, you know, overlook. I mean, that's kind of her job. So I was like, look into this and just let me know if there's anything I'm missing or adding. And she was like, 
I don't know what Gen Z is. <laughs> what? <laughs> she was like, is it General Z? Or like, what is it? Like, I was like, oh no, oh my God, don't say that. Um, so I, for the sake of people who do not know what Gen Z right. is, um, Gen Z is pretty much um, an organization, uh, not organization, sorry. <laughs> Gen Z is pretty much Generation Z. Like, so you know how we have millennials, Generation Z is... Um, Literally anybody born after 1996 to, I believe, 2001. I always get those. I always, like, get the time frames very right? much. Like- you know, for a very long time, I thought I was um, millennial. And they were like, no, you're not. I was like, what do you Me mean? Too. I was like, what are you Me talking too. about? I was like, I'm millennial. They're like, no, you're Gen Z. I'm like... I was like, I'm not a Gen Z. Gen Z. Oh, say that. Like, so, um... <laughs> basically to my staff and everybody else who doesn't know what gen z is gen z is generational z and it's literally by the timeline from 90 whoever is born after 1996 um and you know every single timeline has its own related challenges but also its own related solution and what is most memorable about gen z is honestly a passion and fire like we go after everything like that's not right don't do that and we are so they call us the emotional generation and i don't blame them because we had to overcome so many old traditional acts in order to create a world of our own and we are really survivors bringing you know um true normalcy to even mental health and bringing normalcy to things that you know our parents generation would never consider normal because that's how they were raised so we are just in case you don't know gen z is generation z guys and um that is what we are so that's what i'm talking about so i'm saying that our generation guys we are rising in our involvement of politics and that's what we're going to discuss today so my question for you fatima that we're going to discuss is what do you think of today's politics becoming more social and focused on the people do you think it's a good thing or not or do you think like no it's not being focused on people at all it's up to you so I think it's a little bit of both. I definitely think today's politics is being focused on people, but I think it's because people are reacting, right? I think before, I, I don't think that the people were in the forefront of a lot of decision-making, right? I think like before our generation, it's almost like, okay, here's the law, here's what we're going to do, here's everything. I just throw it, throw it at the people and that's it, right? People didn't react. And something like you said earlier about you know, between Gen Z and our parent generations that we're actually speaking up, right? We're using our emotions to speak up. So I feel like now the politics are as like, now is with the people. Now people are actually like, okay, you throwing this at us, but wait, we don't like this. We, this is an issue. So mm-hmm. can we talk about it? And you say, no, but okay, you don't want to talk about it. Okay, then we're going to do X, Y, and Z to advocate for this, whether it's through rally, um, whether it's through protests, whether it's through, um, um, just talking to diplomats, talking to people, like I and social media plays a big role in that as well. So I think it, I definitely think a little bit about. Yeah, I feel like we really changed social media from what it was. No, what social media used to be when it came right. out to today. I kid you not. Like I am. Don't get me wrong, Gen Z. I have my qualms with Gen Z, yeah, but, I yeah. <laughs> but I will say I love the passion and just speaking out. Like yeah. we are not quiet. Like like you said, no. compared to our parent generation, we are not quiet. It don't matter what it is, no matter what field it is, people are talking. And you don't even have to be a politician, or you don't even mm-hmm. have to be involved in politics. People are right. speaking about. You have models, actresses, 
artists, designers, people from all different realms speak on an issue. And I think that's so beautiful because like people can lose their job for speaking out on something right. political, but we're still doing it doing it because we're not scared. We are literally not scared. Like, like we, we're not. And I love that. I really I, love that about us. That yo, I feel like it's well, we're going sideways, but I feel like it's mainly because we really just like we took charge of our lives. Like right. and not to go back to like the African you know, look into things, but that's the only thing I got because I'm African. Um, is that like we really like you know, like African parents back then would never allow the child to study political science or probably or any, a girl. Anything. If it, if it like, was, what are you doing? It has to be right. Like, so like it's like I feel like we African diaspora, and we'll go into that. So I don't want to spoil that yet, but I feel like we African diaspora, we are the perfect voice for this generation because mm-hmm. we have overcome such a great boundary that is considered normal. And we are now the normal ones, which is funny. But um, <laughs> I do. we will dive more into that though. But I do want us to talk about 2020 elections um, in the United States. And one thing that I greatly witnessed was the drastic increase in Gen Z's involvement in politics. Like we was going crazy. There was actually an article um, written by Polico. And I just want to pull that up very quickly. It was called the rise of Gen Z could foretell the fall of Trumpism. I mean, that is how much we were involved in politics that we could bring down somebody as huge as trump i mean you could clearly see it right in the the polls that we went crazy on it um but my question is um what what was your from your perspective what was the primary cause of this rise well first of all let's start the 2020 elections like the involvement of the was like i i have no words because i saw it everywhere the yeah. people my age and younger, I saw it everywhere. Like, and that to me was, that was like a shocker, right? Because I'm not used to seeing so many youths, like, right. you know, vote, 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 everybody vote. Like, even for me, like with my organization, we did a lot of voter registration. We went to like, around New Brunswick, like get help, help, help people vote. And so, and I just see all these organizations. I'm like, wow. And I think the reason is because I feel like we were for four years, <laughs> right? Yes. We were just tired. I think I remember the day Trump got elected. I remember Me exactly. Too. Oh my God. Me too. And you know what? And I was like so in shock, but people didn't take it seriously. Yeah. We were like, we were like he's not going to win. I, 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 I'm being honest. I think that is really what promoted a lot of our generation to be like, okay, now this election, okay. Yeah. We, you know, because we we thought he was just playing. Like, I was people oh were like, he's not going to win. People were just so nonchalant. And girl, I didn't think he was going to win either. Right, but me I too. Know, but I didn't think he was going to win. Me too. And then when we saw that, oh, this man really did win, everybody was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think, and then he got into office, and then we saw for four years what yeah. was going on. I yeah. think that's when Gen Z was like, okay, now we got to pay attention to politics. Not even just about the president, but now it's like, okay, I think we actually have to start paying attention because the election really, like, that whole presidency, 
We saw changes in LGBTQIA plus rights. Yes. We saw changes in healthcare for black for black for black people of color. We saw so many different changes in policies because mm-hmm. of this man. I feel like everybody felt the effects of that. Yeah. When once Gen Z was like, okay, yo, we really feel it now. So okay, twenty twenty, bet we out. She like, <laughs> like literally, we out. Yeah, everybody, oh, knock everyone's everybody's on it, and like that's really what it was because okay. we were all like, we cannot let this man come back again. No, no. And I, and I will say that because even I, I, I fought with some friends that said they didn't vote. I'm like, bro, you are, you are part of the problem, right? Yeah. Now, what I understand, maybe you don't like both candidates, but I understand, but you're not voting at all as a vote. Same yeah. way you don't, when people say your silence is an answer. Yes, yes. And I tell, I'm like, yo, you need to be more, like, what is going on? And so I have, I've had this conversation with multiple people. Like, yeah. bro, like, you have to understand, like, we are part of the problem. And yeah. if we're going to ever see change, we need to understand that we need to fix it as a whole. Mm-hmm. So when we're all trying to do something good, you, it's, it's one of the things where, you know, people try to like, don't jump in the bandwagon. No, jump on this bandwagon. Yeah. yeah jump on so you can all like, you know come together and you know change the way society is i know like yeah. our like our parents generation they didn't that they didn't care but they weren't so forceful about it yeah they like, that's just life you know man yeah. that's just life like, my parents like I, you know my parents when they, were, when they talk about positives they just be like yeah i mean it is what it is i'm like no it's yeah. not it's what it is why no and yeah. that's, that's what our gen z is known for that's true and i just want to share like this little this all started but when Trump won as a freshman actually in college it was so funny to me okay because I was like you know what I was so confident that Hillary was going to win to the point that I went to bed I, 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 people, people, I didn't <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna make sure she gonna be president. It's good. I'm gonna go. Yeah. Like, I, people were like in, we call this like the Stonesy Hall. You've been to New York. Yeah, 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 New York. Yeah, so, yeah. yo, you were in Stones, we jamming it up. I was like, I gotta go to bed. I'll practice tomorrow. And my roommate runs in and she wakes me up. Like, I'm fast asleep. She wakes me up. She's like, Trump is president. Trump is president. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, no, he's not. She's like, I'm so serious. Trump is president. She was like, come down to the common room. You will see it. It's like, I, and this is the, the most dramatic thing I've ever witnessed in my entire life. I walked into the room and it's like chairs are just like, it's not like right. It's not like a writing scene, but like those chairs did not look in order. Okay. People would just move those chairs just to move away because they were just like, I can't. And I literally walked into this empty room with such a disordered chairs and I was just staring at the projectors, huge projector. And it literally had his face and it said president, uh, president elect. And I was literally just standing there for like a good two minutes. Like this is not real. That is how crazy it was. That is how crazy it. it was. And you know what's crazy? It took me reading several articles for me to actually believe. I was like, no, there's no yeah. way. There's, it's, it's like a part of me. And mind you, at first year, I wasn't really that into politics at all. Me too. Like, I, I was like, politics, ill. Get away right. from me. But that moment, it moment. dropped. Like yeah. something in me felt so like, I was like, I could not believe it. And, but that was the day I really did start changing my whole view on the world. Like yeah. I, that, I was like, okay, let's yep. start to educate my, like, let me start educating myself on, on like, what is so going what's on. going on? 
That was ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. I will never forget that moment. It was such a dramatic moment. I feel like I need to probably turn that to like a documentary just for people to really recognize what it because it was it was so unreal. Like it was like I was pulled so, from reality. So unreal. And but everybody, even like to this day, everybody I spoke to, they every all my friends all remember exactly what they were doing. Like, yeah. I remember everybody was like, I was in this. I'm like, yo, because that yeah. was so traumatic. It was such a traumatic girl. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. But one thing that I do want us to talk about as well is black politics. And we saw black politics come crazy in 2020. Say what? True. We pulled in actresses, rappers, singers. I mean, everybody Every, was hands on. You know what's funny? Even like my friends who we would consider like uninterested in these particular stuff. But like, yeah, I went to vote. I was like, wow. He was like, because I looked into this particular thing and this particular thing. And he right. they had the kind of point you were not suspect the interested in politics. Right, because same, same because honestly, what they're trying to do is really to overcome the challenges of their daily lives. So you would right. not really expect them to, to, to be interested in politics. But Trump did a number of us to the point that we were all, including people we I never like, suspect. It, it was traumatizing. It, it, it was a good thing, but it was so traumatizing for us. Yeah. Like, literally, his whole president, like, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times, like, right. how many times he would say something. I'm like, this cannot be what? Just, this oh my goodness! The misogyny, the right. racism. Right. I was just like, there's anyway. It, it came to point. It was just so sad. Like it wasn't like this man's not serious. Like a deep sadness. I'm like, yo, what is he doing to this country? Like, it's, and we lost so many international respect to the point that Joe Biden has to say that America is back. Like that's how much the world was looking at us. Like you guys are pretty useless. Under like y'all, y'all going through something. I see that y'all going through something. Yeah. Oh Lord. But I do want us to go back into the black politics and um, black politics from 2020 elections to now are a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They're a pretty big deal. Um, but my question is, you know, Democratic politicians are considering African-Americans voices now more than ever. I just want to really know that is this interest or this mutual, I don't know if it's a mutual interest, honestly, so I don't want to call it that. But is this interest from democratic politicians um, ever sustainable with the black community? Like, do you feel like they will keep up with the black community? Uh, I feel like I want to say yes. I want to be hopeful, Mm -hmm. right? And like, yeah, they definitely will. But like, because of history, Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I really do feel like these last year, right, people want to hear Black voices now, right? Mm-hmm. We have all these organizations, yeah. corporations. Yeah. We, we, we stand with you. We, you know, all that. Right? Yeah, all of that, all of that. They want to hear us now. And, and I always question how long are they going to want to hear us until it's like, okay, yeah, we did. The, we, 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 we gave y'all the announcement. We gave y'all the flyers. Mm-hmm. We gave y'all we, like Black Lives Matter on the corner of our website. We right. <laughs> now it's just, um, yeah, we did what we could do. And yeah. I fear that I don't think sustainable, girl. I really do not think so because just, um, just the fact, just in our history and just the fact that I feel like Black people, we always have to look out for ourselves. You know, I think as long as we live in this world of white supremacy and white patriarchy, I do not think that 
the, the this democracy is going to be sustainable for us at all. I think it's going to be it's going to continuously be us yelling and screaming for things and us getting what we want years down the line. Because the little things that we are getting now, which don't get me wrong, yeah, every progress is progress no matter what. Like you know, we are like anything. The progress we love it, we love to see it. But things that we're getting now, we just we've been asking for this. Mm. It's been an issue. True. Like it is upsetting that the George Floyd killing was what made these organizations be like, like, let's all... <laughs> this has been an issue. You think of Trayvon oh, Martin. Like, these, these have been an issue for years, and it took... Like, it took this year for people to yeah. be like, oh, Black Lives Do Matter. Oh, my gosh. Right. I'm trying to incorporate more Black orgs, more Black companies, Black owners, Black... Right. Like, they even didn't come down. I'm like, but y'all knew that we, th- we were suffering for most of the beginning of time. Let's just start there. Why? What, where were y'all at? Right. And then when we say that people, they almost say, oh, what, what do you want us to do? Um, a lot more. Because like, <laughs> what you mean? Like, and, and this is like, I always feel this like all the time. Every time I see like my company, like, or any like organization always talking about, we're here, we're standing. I'm like, I appreciate it. Right. right. Because 10, 15 years ago, this wasn't a thing. Right. Yeah. So I like seeing it now, but it's just like, okay, what more are you doing? Mm-hmm. Even like, you know, so some companies are, let's say some companies are bound that they're going to have more um, people of color, black people mm-hmm. in their, you know, diversity for yeah. people working yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, okay, that's nice. But where are these black people and people of color working? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, are they actually in positions of, like, of influence? Right, exactly. Position of influence. Are they actually in you know these not, these top these top positions? And a lot of times, like I remember I was reading an article. I forgot what article was. I forgot what company they were talking about. They were like this company pride themselves on having a high number of black people yeah. in, in part of, part of their payroll, right? Mm-hmm. And then the article then found out that these black people were not even in position. They were like either like the janitor or people of like people who just like you know do like labor, like you yeah. know. And it's like, I feel like that's how a lot of companies are like, oh, we have a lot of black people. I'm like, but are you giving them room to grow? Yeah. Are you giving them room to reach certain positions that are not for us? And I feel mm-hmm. that conversations, you know what I'm saying? Like, is that, are you giving us that room? And a lot of companies are not. Yeah. Right. And I just want to like, us to look very quickly on like the rep- reparations for the Tulsa Race Massacre. Um, if you guys don't know what the Tulsa Race Massacre is, it is, Basically, in 1921, a white mob attacked the Greenwood District of Tulsa, killing hundreds of Black people and destroying their neighborhood. And uh, right now, this amazing woman, Angela Rye, um, I've seen her really talk on it a lot. And yeah. she's leading the experience on like just allowing the people to know what is going on with this operation. And my question is, like, you know... Now that Black people are in position to demand reparations, and in a sense that this is reality, not even, we're not even, well, they're not even demanding reparations for slavery, which they should, but they're demanding reparations for something that truly happened. Um, and I mean, everything happened, but something that, you know, they can't say, oh, that happened years ago, like 400 years ago. So we don't really know how to deal with it. Like, no, this happened in 1921. You don't want to give us reparations for slavery? Fine. Not fine, actually, no. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> but, but this is 1921. And we're not giving up on this fight either. How do you feel like the... I feel like the... How Congress is reacting right now... It's very nonchalant. It's not right. 
very nonchalant. Um, right. It's it, it, there's not a lot of like, oh yes, we, we need to do this. this. It's more like, oh yeah, I hear you. I, I yeah, see. We're looking to it. Literally that. Right. Oh yeah, I see your concern. We're looking to that. Thank you for right. calling. We'll call you back when we find. Right. You. That's literally what it is. And, and I feel like, yeah. And I feel like I'm using that to measure the consistent relationship that they would have with the Black community. Because if anything can really prove that you are truly for the Black community, economy would be part of it. And I feel like if if these politicians are not willing to input their power into the economic growth of the Black community, I'm not about all talk. Bring the money too. Exactly. You know, bring and the money that will build the, 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 the community too. The black communities, like, and these politicians, they, um, they know that. They, and then the thing is, you see so much gentrification in a lot of different neighborhoods. Yo, like it's, it's actually crazy. And it's like, y'all know that this economy that America prides itself up leaves out black people. You yeah. know that when anything happens to America that's destructive, we are the first people that feel it. Yeah. When COVID happened, it was Black people that immediately felt the effect of COVID-19. Yeah. And they know this, and it's like, they're so nonchalant. And so with the, with the reparations, as I, as I see, you know, what Congress, I'm like, they're just so nonchalant. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is the least. Like, yeah. Yeah. This is like the the, the the chocolate chip on top of an ice cream. This is the least that you can do. Right. Is hear us out, take us seriously, and do something. Because one thing about it, you can't bring back all those lives. Right. You can't. There's nothing you can say. There's no amount of money you can give to take to for people to forget that pain. Mm-hmm. But the least you can do is the common decency to take us seriously and try and actually make efforts to doing something about it. You're not doing it. Sure. And this is something that just not even an American thing, but this is something that I realized. When we're talking about international politics, yeah. I don't talk about like, you know here specifically, but international politics. I know also when whenever there's like a huge genocide involved, mm-hmm. the people who are fought are almost like they feel like they're the victim. Like they almost they mm. almost like they kind of like, yeah, we feel you like they kind of scared. I'm like, I'm so why are you playing victim right now? You cause this. And right. you even, and you you don't even want to try your best or try to actually be with the people. You know what I'm saying? Like mm. show sympathy. For them, you're not doing that, mm-hmm. and that's like and sympathy and empathy is one thing I always say. I feel like this world lacks, yeah, as a whole, because we lack empathy. Empathy, yeah. is one and I think empathy and sympathy is one of the most important as humans that we have that human connection. We need to be able to feel for one another to have a growing society, and because we don't have that, we see all this ruckus going on in the world. You see so all true. this war, hate, discrimination, like mm. all this simply because we don't care for each other. Hmm. Honestly, couldn't agree more. Like you're so on point. I'm looking at the questions because we're really out of time, but I'm still gonna ask. Okay, like, we're about to protest this time they've given to us, and we're about to keep Girl, talking. They better not so cut crazy. us off. They better not cut us off. Oh my god. <laughs> they better so not cut us off. But my next question for you, honestly, and I do want us to even look at it from this perspective, because I'm glad that you're going more global now in the conversation, because that's exactly where our next question leads, is that we are both descendants of African-American culture. Um, 
And I hope I, I'm I'm right. Your parents are from Nigeria, right? Yes, they're both Nigerian. Yeah. Perfect. So um, my parents are from Ghana. Yours are from Nigeria. And I'm not sure if you lived in Nigeria to be conscious about the difficulties that the citizens are challenged. You know, there's a big difference. I mean, they always say this, but it's true. There's a big difference between staying in there and then experiencing the challenges versus witnessing the challenges outside the experience. So I get it. Um, <clears throat> so. Um, I know that I was able to experience some of the challenges that Ghanaians um, I experienced and even till today. I'm able to experience the challenge, the challenges that um, they're facing. But I know that now, right now, the challenges has pretty much evolved because I haven't, you know, seen Ghana in a minute. Um, but these these particular experiences in those challenges did fuel my passion into what I am today. My question is for you, um, is that global politics is really taking over. And when I say global politics, I'm not just talking about, um, I'm really not just talking about signing legislature or passing policies. I'm talking about people's lives and they taking in charge of it. Um, and for example, is NSARS in Nigeria and Fix the Country in Ghana. Um, so my question is, we, the, we are living outside Africa, the African diaspora, right? Is it possible that we can amplify our voices and actions in unity to turn around the challenges of African citizens that African citizens, sorry, are facing in our home countries? So the ones that are actually living in Nigeria, in Ghana, wherever they are in Africa, experiencing challenges, especially leadership challenges. Mm-hmm. African diaspora, where is our role? And like, is it possible for our role to turn the tide from such challenges to actually victories to the people? So um, well, that's a great question. So I think, well, first of all, I do want to say, when we were talking about Gen Z, I'm um, in the beginning earlier and we're talking about, you know, American politics. I want to say like, now that we're talking globally, I've seen this all over the world. I've yeah. seen Gen literally going against their government. And, you know, in America, we're very lucky where we can do that, right? Yeah. Without being afraid that we're going to get killed or put in jail the next day. Yeah. We're very fortunate we can do that. In a country, you say, I don't like this government, you're either killed, kidnapped, raped, or you're missing, right? Yeah. So that's one of the, like, we're very fortunate, but I still see everywhere and so then specifically talking about um you know african diaspora i will say you know for me i've been to nigeria multiple times right even going there and visiting for for a month Mm -hmm. i see the challenges right but again like you said it's different you know going there for months seeing it and then going come back here versus Mm -hmm. living there so i've never lived there per se but my parents, because I do talk about home a lot with my parents, mm-hmm. and their experiences and everything, everything they've gone through is in me. Mm-hmm. And that I'm not, that's something that has uh, always sparked continual, like, you know, interest in my country. I love my country, and I learn more mm-hmm. about it because I want to learn more about history. Yeah. And I, was, I will say, and then when the NSARS was happening, I'm not going to hold you. A part of me felt so like, out of place mm-hmm. at first. I heard, I was like, oh my gosh, okay, this has happened in my country. Like, what do I do? Cause I'm not there. I right. kind of felt like this disconnect. I'm like, okay, I'm not really there. Yeah. But what do I do? And like, I just was like, do what you always do. Fight. Mm-hmm. Like, 
even though we're not there and we were not, I, I mean, I wasn't born there. I still feel like then that is our home, mm-hmm. right? So their fight is also our fight. Right. And I see so many of them going on the street, getting killed like at, I saw, I've seen so many, yeah. videos, so many videos of our, like my people just like, just fighting. And that ignited yeah. something in me again to like, I was like, oh, I want to be there. I want to be there. But I'm like, I'm here. All I can do one is obviously show solidarity, but also speak on it. Yeah. Like, I'll, unfortunately, all I could do be through social media, right? Social media mm-hmm. like, has become a big platform for right. activism, but we have to also be careful about that as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I know that's right. right. <laughs> that part. People right. That part. But, um, and it just, for me, it was like, okay, I had to be like, okay, Foss, like, this is my people. So what do I do? Lily, on social media, um, when they would have protests in certain areas, because they had NSARS protests, uh, like, in New Jersey, whatever. Yeah. I best to go to them and just continue speaking out. But also, that also ignited me to do more research. Yeah. Nigerian policy, because I'm, like, before, girl, I never cared. Yeah. Like, I'm not, not that I don't say I never cared, but it just... It wasn't something that I had to pay attention to. Right. Because right. it's like challenges of your own land is already you know drawing your attention. Exactly. And also because like, I wasn't interested in American politics. Talk about like what's going on back home. And so here. <laughs> as I've gotten older and obviously, you know, as I start to get a passion, right? Mm-hmm. For people, I think my passion for politics come from my passion for people. Mm-hmm. And I started to get more involved. I was like, okay, like that's... I want to know more about like politics and everywhere. And so when the NSARS happened, that actually promoted me to actually like do my research on like, okay, what is the Nigerian government like? Right. What is their politics like? What are their policies? And I learned so much. And that's what made me feel so connected was the fact that I was going out of my way to do research. I'm mm-hmm. always going there. And that made me feel more connected even though I wasn't even there. Yeah. So I definitely feel like, obviously, you know, because we're so far, it's hard for us to like be there. But I feel like, I think the most important thing is to continue doing what you can where you mm-hmm. are. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're in America. We can talk about this. We can send things out to multiple people over here. You know what I'm saying? I know there was times when they shut down the internet connection over there. People couldn't, like, really use this internet. So I feel like that was our place. Okay, y'all, hello, everybody. Hi. This is happening. Like, someone do something. And, like, just, if you start social media, I was seeing the people posting. And I like that. Yeah. Active. Active. Actually involved. That's so true. Like people are actually involved. And like frankly speaking, um my deal with like African diaspora is how comfortable we get when we get here. Especially mm-hmm. the, we who actually lived and experienced wholly the challenges and then moved here and lived a whole different reality. Because sometimes it's like I'm such a speaker. So sometimes when I speak, people look at me like I'm out of my mind. Especially <laughs> when I'm talking to Ghanaians back in Ghana, they're like, fuck. We're doing what we can and it's not, it's not, it's not working. Like we're speaking up. They're taking uh, our voices away from us. We're texting. They're taking our data away from us. And I don't want to share my dissertation that I want to do for my MPA, but it has to do with um, internet, internet possibility, like the possibilities the internet has brought into our world and what it could do in Africa. Because it's like, no, don't worry. Because it's like, um, what's it called? That they're doing so much there and we are catching so little of it because of how disconnected we are because their services are so horrifying. But not, that's different. We'll talk about that later. But my thing with African diaspora is that 
even though we live in a different reality, we've lived in that reality. And that's what I tried to explain with my explain to my Ghanaian friends living in Ghana is that I lived your reality. I lived in that reality. And so what I'm speaking, it's not like I'm out of my mind. I've come to believe that this reality of good governance, this reality of young people voting, this reality of our voices being matters in, uh, um, into, into, I mean, into the, into legislature policies, um, you know, um, our voices shifting our economic stance, our voices, you know, letting the government know that we're watching them and you can't make bad decisions on our watch. Like, like, you know, our, our, like there, there's so many realities on that, but they're like, there's also so many adversaries because even when we begin to speak up those prayers with hot water, I mean, for right now, I do want to highlight fix the country. And the crazy thing that I do know the person who person know the person who started the movement and, um, you would not even suspect him to start that kind of movement because to many people living in Ghana, he's kind of escaped from the challenges, but you don't even know, you know, the realities of somebody's life. But if he is living in such a reality that is so horrifying that he literally produces fix the country, doesn't, you know, only focus on him getting money with a platform that he has created, but actually using it to, 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 to raise awareness, you know, to not just Ghanaians, but to Ghanaians everywhere that this is what's happening to our country. And the response from the Af- African diaspora is so low. It's like we're so disconnected because we're forgetting the reality that we we literally overcame into a reality that is slightly better than what we because there's still challenges here. Bear in mind that we're not living Hadi over here, living our best lives, sipping on coke every single day, chilling. We're being faced by great challenges too that we have to overcome. So it's like, you know, Africa and diaspora, what is it that you could what if if NSARS and what happened in NSARS doesn't spark? your understand like like it did for you where you went into research understanding what's going on and we don't find a way to use our voices and our actions to campaign behind Ghanaians who are actually going through what they're going through in the country right now what kind of home do we think we're ever going to return to and that's a and that's a big and serious question because we are here right but I would love to go back home. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? I will, my children. I would love right. my children to go back to home. And I, I, this is like kind of a side topic, but it, it, it connects because I remember I, wa- I was listening to an interview about what's going on between Israel and Palestine. Yeah. And one young lady said that during the niqab, um, which was during 1948, I believe mm-hmm. this is when 700,000 Palestinians left, you know, Israel thinking that they were going to leave for like, you know, a couple of weeks because it was just getting so bad over there. They yeah. left and they were not, a lot of them were not able to come in. That was like the biggest refugee crisis. So mm. a lot of them just left into different areas. And the young lady was talking about how her parents left home thinking they were going to come back and never went back. Mm. And I can't, and she was talking about the depression her parents went through because you just left your home, right? Because of, yeah. of political climate, right? Right. And as she was talking, I kept on thinking, I'm like, I really hope this does not happen to my country. Right. Like, right now, what's going on with um the terrorist groups, right? That's right. happening specifically in like in my homeland where um like the the Fulani Yeah. Yeah, the Fulani tribes are killing Igbo. I'm, I'm Igbo. Yeah. I'm hearing about the tragedy and it's killing me on Instagram. I'm like, the first thing that comes to mind is like Am I going to have, in 10 years from now, will I be able to go back home, right? right. And it's sad to think that I don't know. 
And you, we even have our people, like our youth over there, like right. fighting. They're fighting for our country. They're right. And we're so nonchalant over here. We're so chilling. And it's it's crazy because everybody's like, you live in the United States now, focus on the United States problems. I'm like, excuse me. I'm Ghanaian. Like, I'm still Ghanaian. Even change of territory, change of land, I'm still Ghanaian. And I take great pride in the country that raised me to be the leader that y'all recognize today. You know, because out of the challenges, literally, I'm here with, 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 with so much force and power because I overcame a reality that nobody should be overcoming. And it's like, we're looking at fix the country, which is what's currently going on right now, where the Ghanaian youth are demanding, like, y'all got to fix this. Like, this is, this, this is not it. I can't graduate from university and not be able to, 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 to get a job for four years. I mean, can you imagine? That's ridiculous. And these, these, are, the, these are the stories that I hear all the time. I graduated at this time and like, why did it take so long to find a job? Why are people suffering? Why are people with education? Because you know, this is one thing everybody talks about, as, as particularly like in African countries. I mean, every education is important, mm-hmm. but this is one thing: get educated, like especially in Africa. Like, if you're not educated, educate people look at you like, mm. right? Like, people are getting educated, but you're not giving them jobs. So, like, right. so what are what are we supposed to do? Are we <laughs> supposed to be quiet and sit down? No. Cause at this point it's getting ridiculous. It's all because there's cr- so much corruption. It's like, right. and it's like, oh my goodness, and it's like they want us to turn a blind eye because it's like these are educated. And this one, one thing, because I haven't, sorry, been able to statistically, uh, statistically, my God, that word is so difficult. Statistically <laughs> prove it, but it's like I personally feel like my generation, our generation are the most educated generation in the country right now. Yes, absolutely. Right? Even, I, I mean, educated to a level of, like, university level. We're the most... So it's like you're doing something that I am learning against in school, and you expect me to turn a blind eye from something that I have gained consciousness that that should not be happening in my country. And one thing that and I... you're really mad. Really you're mad. Right. Right, because mad. you want me to stay dull and I can't remain and dull. They're mad. And, and that's why I them. really, I really push it to African diaspora that hold conferences, hold meetings, hold like like let the, the voices of Africans living in Africa let it transpire beyond the territory, let it transpire beyond the boundaries that they've created for them, and let actually amplify their voices to the extent that because one thing that I understand about African country, I mean African leaders, is that they're terrified with international shame. They cannot no. deal. That's with the, that's, that's like shame. their nightmare. That's their worst nightmare is shame. They like no. They don't mind. The, the crazy thing is that they don't mind about shame in their country because the people shame them every day. But it's from Wait, it's international. Else. Like it's when it gets else. out, that's oh like, my god. That is so sad. That is you don't care what your people think. The right. Elected due to your position to care for them and protect them and to provide for them. You don't care right. what they think. But you're so worried about what Russia, China, right? Russia, really, what they're saying. And I'm just, it's baffling. So one thing I do want to share with Af- um, African diaspora is that if if any time, this is the perfect time 
to literally use your freedom. And you may ask, what freedom do I have? Freedom away from the challenges that they face. These young people are literally abiding by the law. And I really can speak more on Fix the Country because that's my country and I'm more involved in that is that these young individuals are going and they're following the constitution, that they're actually exercising their rights, right? To, to, to seek out how to, you know, um, protest without causing riots or anything. The only goal is that listen to us, hear us. We want to put some action. We want to put our voices in what you do in our country because where our nation is going is crazy. And it's like, you know, what I, I really I really recommend for them always that they they actually are not giving up. They're as much as African diaspora are not supporting or driving them forward, they're like, you know what, y'all can come to our protest with hot water hose. I do not care. I will still speak. And we're gonna them. stand, we're gonna say 10, 10 feet up. Like they're like standing. And that's what I love, and that's something that I will say, like that's what inspired me is that it don't matter what you throw at them. Yeah, you can throw bullets. Whatever you can throw, your whole don't bring it, please. Right, and it's like it's like they just fall in the fire. Like they're just adding more, more, more. Um, we call it back home kerosene to the fire. Like no, my mom, my mom like, says all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you're just adding kerosene to the fire. You're making it burn some more. And um, so you know, we are the voice. Well, we're looking into how we can implement um more African voice. I mean, especially African diaspora voices. Right. So what's happening in Africa? And you know, we will really recommend a lot of people who have the platforms to do the same because you African diaspora. We are the most powerful individuals when it comes to social justice. The reason is because we've escaped the reality and we're living a reality that is really like, like a fantasy to them. But we can bring it to them as reality by making businesses, by making stands, by showing and proving scientifically or, or, or socially or politically, this is how you should not be living, but this is how you should be living. One thing I know is that when people gain consciousness, they fight. When people understand what things are supposed to be, they're like, what the hell am I living? It's like a switch turns out. Like, oh, okay. Now, right. on, now I know. Okay, bet. Let's say no more. We out. We yeah. Exactly. Oh my God. I can I really want this conversation to go on forever. And we are like so over time. I really hope they don't they don't cut us off. But um, one last thing that I, I want to ask is, you know, we do ask, I guess, such conclusive question, you know, the normal daisy, but you're my sis. So I, I'm about to ask you a question that's probably more unconclusive sorry um so my question honestly is derived from hashtag politics versus my voice and we don't know what politics versus my voice is is literally this program that we do we are the voice international where there is a live session but also a poster session where we ask people to identify the challenges but also be inclusive with the solution that they believe could be you know um recommended for the challenges so that's my same question for you is to identify a challenge and recommend an active solution to it because we will hold you by your words you will this is such this question is so like it's a very hard question because i I literally have to go through like there's just so many problems and think of solutions (laughs) and it's funny because um I was, um, I did it actually, I had for one of my projects, I had to interview someone uh, for one of my certificate program and we're talking about problem solution. And I, I asked, I'm like, I feel like all these books and everything you read in school, they always talk about problem. Like I was in the sociology class, they always throw a problem, problem. I'm like, they're not talking about solution right. to any problem. Yeah. And I think, 
and I think and this is kind of going to answer my question, but I think because the solutions are always subjective to yeah. the particular person, right? Their particular experience. Mm. And so when I think of a problem, I think like the thing, I think one thing I can think of is like the problem with um, certain, for example, black health, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mental health or black maternity health, because you know, um, black mothers have a higher, higher chance of dying during childbirth than their white counterparts. So this mm-hmm. is just a very specific example that I'm giving. And I think th- problems where it's like, like, you know, trying to stop things from becoming so odd. I think the solution to those specific ones are one policies, law, right? At the end of the day, laws, they change stuff, right? You know, yeah. like that, but at the end of the day, like policies, they help, they can help when yeah. they do correctly and when they're, when, and when they have great intention behind it. Yeah. And so I think- I like that. Implementing certain policies towards black maternity, implementing policies towards like just how doctors are trained. Yeah. I, girl, maybe you could tell me, but a lot of stories I hear about doctors and how they treat patients, especially when black women are in pain. Yeah. And I think it's because of what are they what are they teaching in medical school? Like yeah. it, everything goes solutions go back to school. Like literally, because right. every profession you got your degree from a school. From school, from right? So a lot of issues are institutionalized. So I think this is one problem. I know there's so many mm-hmm. problems I could have thought of, but this is the first thing I thought of was like it goes back to what are you teaching in school? Right. Like I feel like the texts that you use are from 1850. Like all these methods are so mm-hmm. old. We are a, we we are we are a living society. We can't constantly change. Right. Constantly, there's more studies every day. There's new studies, many new studies. So why isn't the material that's being taught mm. in these institutions? Why aren't they changing? Why are doctors still learning the same thing, the same way they learned when they were slavery? Mm-hmm. Why, why are they not learning about black bodies? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we are not the same with, with our white counterparts. Why, why like you know these why why why? And it's like it sends back to teaching the institutions we need to change institution their past and how they're teaching stuff and so i know that's like kind of like over all over the place answer but that's like a problem that's like one thing specific that i'm like okay like there's a problem okay here's a possible solution Mm -hmm. yo thank you so much oh my god Faustina, we will definitely have you back again because honestly i like this This it's like so <laughs> we went over time with our interview, and I really they better. I keep saying this, but they really better not cut us because people need to hear every single word that you said. Is that that's how important it is? And so I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart on behalf of We Are the Voice International. Thank you so much for doing this with us on behalf of the executive producer and the entire team in What's the Podcast Production. Thank you so much for doing this with us. You're an amazing guest, and you accepted so fast. I was so honored. I was like, oh my god, we have a guest. It's the person. I want like I was like yeah. as soon as I saw that text message I was like absolutely like girl, you got it like, I was like oh my god I had like you know that's why it's so important to have friends who are right. so so passionate about life and are doing so many things like you are an amazing woman and I, I can't even begin to offend them even beyond physical you're an amazing amazing person and ever since Honorable mention, Mr. Wakefield <laughs> introduced us. Oh my God. Right? I miss him so much. Like, college was honestly, he gave, never ever him. he gave me a lot of confidence that I did not have. Yeah. I, like, he really helped me, like, actually, because I told you I've always been scared about speaking out. Like, if I'm even speaking to you about this, I would have never thought I'd be able to do this. 
Right. Like he like shout out to him. Honestly, honorable mention. <laughs> so thank you, Mr. Wakefield. We're shouting you out. Thank you so much, um, Christina, for doing this with us. We will have you back again. Everyone, our audience, thank you so much for sticking with us. This is our second season. And again, I just want you to know that the title that we discussed was the rise in Melania and Gen Z involved into politics. And obviously, it wasn't just focused in the United States, it was also global. We want to give a shout out to Fix the Countries and End SARS and everybody who is pushing behind this particular cause. I would really commend African diaspora to stand up. This is the time to stand up. Use your freedom, use your voice, use the reality that you're living in to make a change. Thank you, Faustina, once again, and thank you all for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll see you next season. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Wild TV Podcast. Of course, the conversation does not end here. Do connect with us via social media platforms. We are at Wattvoc on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook as We Are The Voice and on YouTube as Wattvoc Productions. For more, do visit our website www.wearethevoiceinternational.org. The Wattv Amplifying powerful voices for change.